Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Uh, hi, I'm Mats Villander, and you are listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, the morning after the Australian Open men's singles final. We last spoke to you just before the women's final. I have to say, the, the exciting news for us here on the Tennis Podcast is we have it's a special... It's not Catherine Whitaker is... Yeah, it's not Catherine Whitaker. We, we're not really that fussed about Catherine. This week, this week we normally are, because today we have a very special guest, and that is a Mr. John Inverdale of BBC Radio and Television, and many other outlets as well, who's been in the business at the very top for about 30 years. Is John, am I, allowed, am I allowed to say that? I hate that. I hate when anybody says how long it is. I just I feel like I want to go and crawl away into a hole, you know. <laughs> However, the fact is, he knows his stuff, and he's been here with us. It's all right. I'm bringing the average age down quite considerably. Are you? So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we're all getting older, Catherine. Um, but uh, John, this has been, I think, your first time at the Australian Open. What have you been your your impressions? Uh, my abiding impression as we're sitting here the morning after looking at a blue sky and just looking at sparkling colours everywhere is, you know, when I, when I walked into Melbourne Park, I thought that I just sort of landed in a, in a fruit salad. Everything was bright red, bright orange, bright yellow, bright blue, bright, 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 bright. And it, it would, you know, it's, everyone always, always calls it the happy slam and I can see that, but it's not just the mood, it's the look. You know, that, that, that particular shade of blue is just very energising and very enervating. And I, I, th- I thought it was great. I loved it. Really, enjo- really loved it. And we, we also made a, a friend, didn't we, a couple of nights ago on our walk home. Tell us about that. Yeah, we did, actually. This is one of those, you know, this is, not an, this is not something that happens as you're sort of walking down, you know, Oxford Street in London. But we, we were walking back to our hotel at about two o'clock in the morning and there wasn't a soul anywhere. And it was absolutely deathly quiet because Melbourne just when Melbourne shuts it shuts this is not a city that doesn't sleep and uh, at two o'clock in the morning it's just you and me walking along the riverbank and then suddenly in front of us there was a possum so here we are in Australia and a little baby possum actually not so small actually looking at us and I I wasn't sure who was more scared because I wasn't I've never been face to face with a possum before and I wasn't quite sure you know what a possum does in those situations I think he was more scared of me though than I was of him so he scuttled up this tree and we stupidly tried to almost go and stroke him because I don't know why do you do that I mean it's so mindless I don't know why we tried to do that and I thought and I thought but he had that look in his eye that glint I thought he's going for us he's gonna leap <laughs> and he's got quite 
quite big claws. Like he's like sort of a, s- a squirrel on steroids. And uh, he's got, you know, I thought he's going to, if he jumps at us, we could be in big trouble here. But anyway, so it's one of my, one of, you know, a possum. Maybe he is the Melbourne possum. Maybe he is the sole possum who inhabits the streets of Melbourne. Uh, but anyway, we saw him. And we saw, actually saw him two nights running. So, uh, you know, so, uh, and last night as we walked back after seeing uh, Andy lose, I was hoping he'd be there to kind of say bad luck. <laughs> but, but he was nowhere to be found. So. Catherine, so you said Andy Murray would win. What happened? Well, you said Andy Murray would win as well. I changed my mind. Remember, the draw came out and I said that Andy Murray's road to the final is going to tire him out in the final and therefore Novak Djokovic is going to win. Was he tired, though, or was he just... But, but, I mean, you were sitting courtside. You you had a, a about a, a closer view on that blister as, as anybody in the arena. Yeah, it wasn't pretty. I'm not particularly envious of, but perhaps you can can give the best insight into to how much of a part that blister played. I would say, I mean, the most fascinating thing about being courtside at that level, and I was sitting in line with the umpire's chair just behind the net post ball boy, and it was the look on the faces of the players as the match evolves and the way they have to deal with these disappointments of losing big points and and, and regaining their composure and, all, and that kind of thing and for until about well until the second set tiebreak had finished Novak Djokovic looked strained facially he looked drawn he looked as though he he'd got the weight of the world's on his shoulders and he looked fatigued to be quite honest and and Andy Murray looked the complete opposite he was bullying Djokovic at least from where I was sitting and then as soon as that second set had finished and Andy Murray took his shoes off and had treatment to those blisters the look in their faces changed suddenly there was a there was a sheen to to Novak Djokovic he looked fresh he looked as though somebody had frankly plugged him into the mains John but sport is all about momentum it's all about momentum swings, isn't it? And Andy somehow won the first set when probably he didn't deserve to. And the entire second set, you couldn't see any way that he wasn't going to go two sets up. You know, he had those three break points in the second game, which, he, you know, one in particular, he, he missed a golden opportunity. Um, I have to, I, but I, I agree with you. When he sat down at, at the umpire's chair at the end of the second set at one set all, I thought this is just not good. This is just not. I just felt you just felt you could just feel it. You know, you can. It's almost like you know, what's, what's that? Biorhythms or something. You know, you could almost see um, on on. You know, you, you could just you could just feel the energy. If if there's X amount of energy on a tennis court, midway through the second set, it was 75 percent of the energy was with Andy and 25 with Djokovic. At the end of the second set, it had almost it had sort of gone 65 35 the other way. And I, I just didn't feel it was going to come back, and, and, and it kind of didn't. You almost felt there was an inevitability about Djokovic breaking the third set, and then that was that. But, you know, it's like with all these things. We sit and pontificate on the outside, you know. We form opinions about individuals who we don't know at all, viz Victoria Azarenka. We form opinions about a match where we can't really know, you know, how, how important was that feather in the second set? You know, Explain what happened there. Well, I mean, you know... It it sounds so utterly trivial, but if you've played any sport, you know, it's all about rhythm. You get into a rhythm. You know, if you're playing, if you play snooker or you play darts or you play anything that's a kind of a static situation, which is what serving is. If you play golf, you know that you're in a rhythm. And if something distracts you and you have to stop and go back and start again, you're not quite in the same place mentally or physically as you were before you were about to play the ball originally. So Andy's 3-2 going with serve. 3-2 down, going with serve in the um, tie break in the second set. 
First serve misses. Second serve, just about to go. He's, he's serving well at this point. And, and a feather flies down, having been shed by a seagull or a pigeon or some whatever the hell it was. And it's, it's in his eye line as he's about to serve. Now, what do you do in those situations? I mean, the number of times I've played golf and I've just been just about to take the club back and a fly or something just either comes on my nose or it sort of buzzes around the ball. Now, of course, good players, and I've seen Tiger Woods do it, you know, halfway up his backswing, he's stopped. Good players stop. Rubbish players carry on, distracted by the fly, stick the ball in the woods and then think, why in God's name? didn't I just stop and have another go but even if you had stopped and had another go you wouldn't have been quite the same place as you had been when you were about to hit it in the first place so Andy's about to play his second second serve and he has to make that split split second decision there's that feather in my line of sight am I going to stop or am I going to carry on with it I better and in that instant 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 he decides to stop disrupts his rhythm and then he picks it up. He goes to pick up the feather, and then he takes it to the back of the court. Now, all this is taking time. It's all distracting him, that 0.1% that makes the difference between getting it in and not getting it in. And then he lines up to, you know, second serve, double fault, 4-2, break, 1-all, 2-1, 3-1, end. Now, you could say, that, you know, he might have said a double fault anyway. He might have put a second serve in that was not very good, and Djokovic might have smashed it past him. But, but that scenario didn't happen. This, this tiny little moment of fate from a Serbian bird that flew overhead may well may well have made all the difference you know you, you just don't know I could feel all of the Novak Djokovic fans stamping on their iPads and iPods having heard this this uh, this uh, conspiracy theory that we have but but I mean I know what you mean it, it it felt significant in as much as he did double fault that is the fact that is what happened we know that and it did change thereafter but Djokovic he is He's a rottweiler, isn't he? He sees that one little opportunity and he goes for the jugular. I'm just st- I'm lost in admiration for Novak Djokovic. I mean, I really am. Uh, right, of almost of all the sportsmen in the world, I look at him and think, when the when the going gets tough, boy, do you get going. He's just resilient beyond resilient. And I, I think you know, when you watch, you know, if, if you work with a lot of juniors in all in lots of different sports you see lots of aspiring sports people whatever sport they may do the one thing you and and andy actually in his uh, press conference yesterday was talking you know somebody said to him about you know has he got to work any much harder and he said you know talent gets you so far but it's hard work that gets you the rest of the way i'd say it's yeah talent gets you so far hard work gets you the rest of the way and then absolute dogged determination takes you to the to the tape and so, you know, when you're a, if, if, whatever kid you've got, whatever sport they happen to be talented in, you know, I'd say watch, watch Djokovic, who was a different figure now to what he was three or four years ago when he often did throw the towel in. I don't, you know, I still don't, I don't think any of us really know what happened in that kind of, you know, moment of epiphany when he thought, I've got to stop doing this. But now he's somebody who he fights, you know, in a boxing terms, you know, you want him as your, you want him in your corner. You want him on your side because I just, uh, I, I, I watch his, his physicality, his mental strength, and I just think he's a, he's a model for, for all international sport. How many more of these finals of slams do we think we're going to have this year between these two? Because it does feel now, Catherine, as though they have separated themselves, with Ndell being, well, there's a big question mark over what he's going to be like when he comes back. Federer has been taken care of by Murray. OK, it was five sets, but 
it always felt like Murray was going to win that match. What do you think? Do we, are, we, are we going to have four Grand Slam finals between Novak Djokovic and Andy Murray this year? Well, of course, the next one is the French, and that's on clay, and uh, Murray has yet to prove himself on clay. Um, and in some senses, I suppose, Federer has yet to prove himself on clay because he's never beaten Nadal on clay. Djokovic... It's a bit harsh. He's been in countless finals. He's the second best clay court player of his generation. Is he? Is Is it who else's? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Well, perhaps he is. I'm not saying he definitely that, but that's that's quite a big claim to lay down. Well, he was the one. He was the runner-up to to Rafael Nadal in about four of them. I tell you that I think there's a bigger issue than this. If it, if it was Murray against Djokovic every single Grand Slam for the next year and a half, is that not a bit boring for the public at large? You know, I think it's a big. I think it's a big issue. You know, a bit like the days when Schumacher won every Grand Prix and, and everybody just switched off because nobody cared. You know, I think it's great to have rivalries, but the great thing that tennis has had for the last 18 months, if you like, is perm two from four in a final. The moment you're perming two from two, if Federer is fading, um, you know, and, and he is clearly fading. I mean, I, but the, the speed is is up for debate. I think it's abs- I think it's really important for tennis that Nadal comes back in Brazil and shows that he's fit and, and goes back to the similar to the level to the had. Because, you know, as someone who operates across a, a you know, wide sporting landscape, I tell you that, while we're, and even in Britain, while we're all unbelievably excited about Murray, because it's a novelty almost. Okay, it's, it's six Grand Slam finals, which is extraordinary, but it's a novelty. Like another Grand Slam, hey, we must, must get up early in the morning for Murray against Djokovic. By the if 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 he and if he and um, Djokovic played the final in Paris, and Wimbledon, I tell you by by the time we got to the U.S. Open, 
I'm not sure. And, I'm, I'm, you know, and, and it's late at night, tell, you know, time difference-wise. People are going to be going to bed because, because familiarity breeds contempt. It does. I mean, I th- you know, I think you need, you need a bigger pack to call from than just two. Inevitably, I think you will. What do you think, Catherine? But, but, but nobody was, was citing that argument when the, we had several years of Federer and Nadal finals and a Federer and Nadal final and a Grand Slam seem, seemed almost inevitable. People couldn't get enough of that. Nobody was saying, oh, God, I hope it's not those two in the final again. I mean, that rivalry was the pinnacle of the sport, wasn't it? And, and, a, and a Grand Slam wasn't considered... Um, to have reached its peak unless you know it, the, it climaxed with a showdown between those top two players but, uh, but somehow I do agree with you because I, I, I think perhaps the Djokovic-Murray rivalry hasn't evolved yet into what the, the Federer-Nadal rivalry They're was. also a little more similar aren't they? Well, that, that's exactly the part I was going to make you know, you, Rafa and Roger are very different and you can, you can, you can, you can be very pro one and very anti the other if you, if you so choose to be uh, but also their, their style of play is so different, you know, because and last night's final was a classic example of that. You know, they were almost just cancelling each other out so much. The danger is that you could have an awful lot of Grand Slam finals that are very, very similar and kind of bland and grey. If you're not careful, there could be. I mean, OK, it's it's amazing to watch these 25 and 30 shot rallies. But if they if every match is a 25 and 30 shot rally all the time and they're all the same and all the same and all the same after a while, you know, that's when you sort of you switch off. And you go say, I'll, I'll come back and watch the fourth set. It's one of the beauties, in a way, that tennis has different surfaces, isn't it? That yeah. at least you get some differences there. Yes, yeah, and I, and I, and I agree, actually, with Catherine. I, I, I'd be very surprised if it was a Djokovic-Murray final in Paris. I, I'd be very surprised. I'm not quite sure who's going to be in there, but then you have to factor in the Almagros and the Ferrers and things like that if somebody's, you know, they, they're more likely to, to fall by the wayside there, I think, than, than in an earlier round than elsewhere. The one thing I feel from this this tournament here, I was hoping that there'd be somebody who'd come out from wherever, and everybody would say, "Look for him. He's he's the man. He is the coming man." You know, Janowicz from Poland. Uh, Mats Wilander said to me, "He's the coming man." But he, he sort of came, but he kind of fizzled, didn't he? And then he sort of went out a bit like a damp squid. Sort of the Sloane Stevens of the men's draw. Yeah, I, I wanted somebody. I want you know, I wanted to be you know, rounding up the Australian Open, saying, and without a shadow of a doubt, X is the man for the future. But I don't really... I, don't, I mean, you may disagree. I don't, I don't see that person at the moment. I think the golf is pretty sizable. I absolutely agree. I think that's what men's tennis is missing. And people were... I mean, it's hard to tell whether Tomic is perhaps that man because he did run up against Federer in the third round. You know, had he had a slightly more a kinder draw, perhaps he could have had a run to the, to the quarters. But he has been talked about for a couple of years now, so perhaps he's not... Um, not the bolt from the blue. I mean, yes, Jerzy Janowicz has won, but so far he's only actually had one standout result, so which you know he hasn't backed up. It's funny there's, there was a Polish Polish journalist uh, here this fortnight who every press conference, no matter who it was, what nationality was in there, he would show up and ask what they thought of Jerzy Janowicz. Whether the first thing they did when the draw came out was look to see where Jerzy Janowicz was, as if he was, you know the shark in the tank <laughs> it's the Australian Open um, I'm going to say his name again Grigor Dimitrov but uh, yeah, yeah we, we, we've sort of yeah. d- adopted Grigor Dimitrov yeah, as the right. tennis podcast's own but we're still waiting John well I, it's Grigor Dimitrov also I mean what a what a charmer <laughs> yes you know as various other members of the WTA tour might attest to uh, but uh, you know but he he understands the PR of of sport he, he he gets 
the responsibilities off the court. And, you know, three years ago, you know, I remember having a conversation with Chris Commode at the Queen's tournament saying, this is the boy, this is the boy, this is the boy. Well, he's, he's now a man, and he's not quite the man yet. Not yet. So, but... You know, but people develop at different ages. You know, and it is getting older now. You know, yeah. the, the rate at which they do is getting older. Yeah, and I actually think for the for the benefit of the sport, that actually is in in the in the round holistically, that's good for tennis. That we're not now in this obsessive teenage mentality. That actually, you know, when when people when people remark upon the fact that Sloane Stevens is 19 because it's it's unusual. That is a very healthy situation for the sport, I suppose. Whereas, you know, you could almost have said to Martina Hingis when she was 19, you're over the hill, because that was how absurd it was. So I, th- I, think, it, I think it's good for, I think it's also good for the players as well, that they're perhaps they're, they're slightly more rounded individuals when they get to the top of the game now, and they're not, you know, almost like, like in the days of swimming, that, that for, you're almost peaking at 16 and 17. Because apart from anything else, you know, if you peak at 16, 17, 18, what do you do with the rest of your life? So, uh, you know, I, th- I think it's a, it's a beneficial benefit, for, for, if that doesn't make sense too much, if that makes any sense at all, uh, for, for the game, but also for the players who are playing it. Absolutely. Well, the rest of the tournament, the Bryan brothers won another title. We had... Uh, Laura Robson and Heather Watson performing pretty well. What is your assessment of, of, of how they're developing, John, from where you sit? I just think Laura hits the ball so hard and that's going to stand her in very good stead. I think she could go a very long way. Heather doesn't quite have a weapon on that scale, does she? But she's got such heart and such determination. So they're very different people. I, I think that could be a rivalry that could you know, sustain British women's tennis for a few years. And, of course, the key thing is Andy is not going to be there forever and you don't see the cavalry arriving over the hill at the moment as far as the men's game is concerned. So actually, you know, this is long, this is down, you know, how many years down the road is this? I don't know. Maybe it's four years down the road, five years down the road. But, you know, post Andy Murray, it's probably going to have to be the girls who sustain tennis in Britain, uh, you know, as, as things would seem at the moment anyway. So, you know, good on Laura and Heather will have a, a huge amount of responsibility on their shoulders as well. There are some talented young boys coming through, but obviously they're, they're in that sort of transition play phase where they haven't played the juniors here because they've passed that. They're trying to build themselves up and, uh, and get to the point where they can be in the men's tournaments. But uh, it does take a while, as we've talked about. One man that Andy Murray's always compared to, inevitably, is Fred Perry, the other man who won a Grand Slam title before him from Great Britain. John, uh, you yeah. knew him well, of course, before, before he died in the mid-90s, and you worked alongside him for, for many years. What was he like? Well, it, it was funny. I, you know, I hadn't thought about it for ages, for years, actually, until yesterday when uh, doing our programme on the radio, and uh, I handed over to Mike Kingham, who was who's the BBC's football correspondent, and Mike used to be part of our commentary team at Wimbledon, and uh, Mike and I used to work alongside Fred Perry and it was kind of one of those funny moments that I, in my mind I suddenly thought oh Mike Ingham me Fred Perry Andy Murray and it kind of so I, I asked him about it and, and, and Mike mentioned it on air as well and I, which got me thinking about Fred who used to sit in the corner of the commentary box and he used to lounge he never sat up straight, which I, I always found rather strange. I always imagined, because you'd always imagine someone of a certain age to be, have, have certain kind of physical characteristics. He always used to lounge in the corner with his back against the wall. And sometimes the commentary team would look at him, hoping he would come in and say something, and he would just stare them out. He, he's, he was, I've got nothing to say at this point. And then suddenly, when he did have something to say, irrespective of whether somebody else was talking or not, he'd come in with this pearl of wisdom... And people would go, oh, Fred, you know your stuff, don't you? Uh, which obviously he did. He was charming. He was, and I, I, 
one of the, you know, every Monday, the first Monday of every Wimbledon, for the, how many years it was that I would work with him, which kind of seven or eight maybe, I used to get pathetically, childishly excited when, when we'd walk into the Monday morning meeting just before, you know, before the first ball was hit. And Fred Perry came up to me and would, would, he'd put his arm around you and Shane would say, Hi, John, how are you doing? I mean, A, he said hello. B, he'd remembered my name from 12 months earlier. You know, it was just marvellous. One of those, you know, I, I remember being very, very, very upset when he died. He was a great man. And that's, you know, the word great is possibly the most overused word in the English language. He was a great man. Would he have enjoyed watching Andy Murray, do you think? Oh, he'd have loved it. He would have loved it. And I think the great thing about Fred was he was very, very, he was very generous in his praise, very generous in his time for people. And I think there are some people whose who's place in the record books, you kind of feel they never actually want the record to get beaten. They always say, you know, oh, of, co- of course I don't mind if they run faster than us. Records are there to be broken. But, 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 but with gritted teeth, actually secretly thinking, I hope, I, hope I, might, you know, I hope that record stands until the day I die. You actually feel that if Fred had been around now watching Murray, he would have been the first person to throw his arms around Andy and say, Andy, that was fantastic, you know, and the, the bat, it's taken a long time to pass the battle, but you are a, a great man to have it now. Uh, yeah, Fred was a, just a fantastic bloke, really was. Lovely note to finish this edition of the Tennis Podcast on, and uh, John, thanks for, for joining us, we really appreciate it. My pleasure, David, lovely to see you. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 